Well, thank you, Charlene, and welcome back from vacation. Good to have you here. It's a beautiful morning. Just a gorgeous morning, wasn't it? A little cooler than maybe what we have been used to, but very welcomed. So welcome to all of you that are here this morning, as well as those that are watching us on social media. May the Lord bless you, enrich your life, and may you find his love greater in your heart and lives. Thank you for being with us here today. Uh, Ministering Council is going to meet Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. That's a little bit different time and date, so they'll be meeting at 5 p.m. Golf Committee also meets on Tuesday evening, and monthly meeting will be in the fellowship hall Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. There's no refreshment. Just come and share with us as ministering council. will have some recommendations to share. You can read about the other announcements that are printed in the bulletin. I do want to mention about the Quaker Men Golf Tournament that's coming up. If you'd still like to uh, have a team play, there's a few spots available. Then you can always still sign up to have a, be a whole sponsor. You can note about the housekeeping of the Family Life Center. Uh, It is being painted. And thanks to uh, one of our members, I don't know if you've noticed the sidewalks outside, out front, how clean and how nice they look. We thank Johnny Brown and others for doing that, but Johnny's done most of that work, so thank you, Johnny, for making those sidewalks uh, just shine. You can read about the Quaker Men next gathering that we'll have for breakfast. It'll be October 11th, and that'll be 8.13 a.m. next month. Uh, Still a few slots left for preschool, but it'll be starting Tuesday. So just keep the preschool and the preschool staff and all the students, even the school board, in your thoughts and prayers as they're opening up here on Tuesday and welcoming all the children and um, have them participate with us. We actually have one of those students here with us this morning. So, hey there, Jake. It's good to have you here with us. And they, um, they got brought Jonah with them. Can you show us, Jonah? I know the people at the, uh, on social media won't be able to see our new baby. But we welcome all the Matsons here with us this morning, especially the precious one. Thank you. You can read about the ride for multiple sclerosis as well. That's coming up by Alan Sparks. It'll be a virtual ride. Our prayer concerns um, are on the back of the bulletin. Just pay attention to each of those, please. And I do need to mention that Cletus Spencer, I saw him Friday, and he's been having some tests done, and Cletus needs a heart valve replaced. He'll be having that uh, scheduled. He's waiting for that phone call. So just remember Cletus Spencer um, in the days ahead as he'll have that heart valve replaced. And so... Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll have the medley of hymns. Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's in our hearts and lives. We thank you for your love and grace that just falls freshly upon us. I ask you to watch over each and every person here in our community, those inside and beyond these walls, that the love of Christ would just be raised up in them and they would find that you're the Savior. Thank you for this day, O Lord, when we gather, when we come, when we worship you and celebrate and praise your holy name. So touch our lives and strengthen us in this moment. Amen.
Um, the uh, prayer concerns, again, are printed on the back of the bulletin. Um, Janie uh, Stennett is home recovering from uh, the ablation, and she's doing well. We do ask that you continue to remember uh, Diane Meredith's sister. She's been ill for quite some time, several months. Uh, Alan Sparks is uh, getting therapy, speech therapy, and he's improving. He's very encouraged about the condition and the place where he is after his stroke. Travis uh, Comer, uh, continue to remember him. He remains in the Charlotte Hospital. Uh, Linda, it's good to have you here for two weeks in a row. Um, she'll be returning to the office in a few weeks. 
Aubrey Whitt it talks about that he's been receiving chemo. He will continue to receive chemo, but uh, also he's uh, had cataract surgery um, this week, so continue to remember Aubrey Whitt, as well as the other ones on our prayer list. Um, do you have other prayer concerns for us this morning? Frankie Jackson. Okay, thank you. Yeah, some of us might have seen that this morning. Thank you for that reminder. And we'll keep your other uh, prayer concerns in our thoughts as well. Other prayer concerns? Joys to share with us? Yes, Mike. I think the teacher said we're meeting the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Thank you, dear Lord, for letting us do it. Yeah. Those are our churches that are not. There are a lot of little, lot of little blessings in life. Some of them are bigger than others. Yes, thank you. Others, other joys to share with us? Yes. <laughs> That's, um, remind me of the birth date. <laughs> August. Sorry about that, Dad. But uh, <laughs> uh, August thirteenth. So just not quite a month old. Okay. Other joys. You're, you're quite welcome. Well, let's just lay these prayer concerns in the hands of our Father. Jesus, we do love you, and we recognize the great things that you do among us. We're told to name our blessings one by one, and some of those have been shared here today. And so we just praise you and thank you for the health and the life that people contain. We thank you for medical doctors and surgical teams that know how to help us. Continue to guide their minds and their hands. But we also ask you to watch over the individuals that have been spoken of that need your prayers, that need our prayers. Guide and direct their lives and help them to find a peace that passes understanding and give them your will for their lives, Lord. We're so grateful to be a part of this world, to be a part of your world, to be a part of this day and this time of lifting you up 
in praises and asking for petitions. Bless us, O Lord, in the things that we do. Amen. again, Becky. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Chronicles 16, verses um, 23 through 31. We'll be looking at that just in a few minutes. Uh, we'll uh, first um, kind of a little introduction. 
today, um, you know, I was walking outside this morning, and I thought, you know, this just isn't the benefits of worship. It's partly the habits of worship. You know, we have to be in, have a habit of, of worshiping our Lord and our God. And we shouldn't just, we need to want to do that. You know, there's a difference between should and want, and we should want to worship the Lord our God. And like I said earlier, it was a beautiful day. It was just wonderful to be able to sit outside for just a few minutes this morning. And as David Spell said so well in the Sunday school lesson, the hummingbirds were just out feeding. You know, they're a little territorial. They can kind of compete a little bit. But you could hear the bluebirds singing. It was just a worshipful atmosphere, at least where I was this morning. And so I want us to think about not just the benefits of worship, but the habits of worship. Why do we come to this place? What brings us here? What desires in your heart? What pushes you to come to a place of worship or to watch online? Why should we want to come? Well, some of us come because of the music. Some of us come because of friends. There's coffee and there's refreshment sometimes. And those can be motivating factors to bring us to worship. Some of us want to come just because we've always done that. It seems like the right thing to do. But the motivating factor should be because Jesus rose. He died and rose on the cross for all of us. He died for us. And he rose to give us love and grace from our sins. Today's scripture text was written by Ezra, a priest who helped rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. Now remember it was destroyed in about 586 B.C. And so Ezra is writing about the period when Israel's kings are taking over. So really, he's writing about that period in about 1010 B.C., many years before the rebuild of Jerusalem. And the people in the city of Jerusalem, when they're rebuilding, they find some discouragement. They're a little disappointed because there's so much work to do. And Ezra goes back and reviews some of this history in 1 Chronicles that we're going to also read here in just a minute about how they worshipped and the significance of that for them. And so our habits are important in why we want to come and worship. Sometimes our habits need to change. We don't always have good habits. Sometimes there's a change that just gets imposed upon us. My grandfather Freeman, when he used to, when he was living and he was a young man and he would go fishing, he used a steel rod. That's what was used by him. Or he had a 16-foot telescopic bamboo pole that he used. We don't use either one of those very much anymore. Those kind of things have been laid aside. And new things have been developed. And new things have come about. When you use a fiberglass rod or when you use a graphite rod, the detection of a fish biting is much easier. And so there's been some developments. He had to change some of his habits some of the ways he did things from that steel rod to go to a fiberglass rod years later. 
And it worked. Sometimes we have to change our mental process. Sometimes we have to change our habits as God moves us along in this world. And Ezra was trying to move the children of people along who were kind of discouraged, who were having a difficult time with the way things were right then and right there in Jerusalem because of the destroyed temple. He was trying to give them some encouragement and some hope. And so he does write First Chronicles. And here's, the, here's some pictures that I want you to see about some ways that we can worship today. Now, some of these might seem a little bit different, but that's okay. Here they are. Of course, this is the place of worship. This is the place of worship. I'm sorry, Samantha, I moved away, didn't I? This is the place of worship. Did anybody, can anybody identify that place? It's real close. Well, it's not here because there's a cross in the back. Our Daily United Methodist Church, that's right. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Now, that's Darlene and I when we were on our vacation. But you can worship outside at the ocean. You can worship at the beach. Next slide. That's the oldest Baptist church in the South. Anybody, anybody want to guess what city that's in? Charleston. That's right. Charleston. Okay, go on. Now, that's when we were down at the Lazy Five Ranch with a group of people here at Arsdale Friends. We don't often think about feeding cows as a place of worship. But look, people together. Go on the next slide. We know where that is, don't we? People come to the columbarium here. It's a silent, solitude place to worship, to give thanks for the lives that have been. Next. Again, that's down uh, the sunrise uh, in Charleston. Ah. When you give thanks, when you eat, that's a way to worship. And I just thought that was a great picture of happiness, of joy, contentment, waiting to eat. Well, waiting to worship, giving thanks to God. Next slide. This was a trip that we took down to Haiti. When you're working together for God's purpose, it's a time of worship, doing something for other people. Next. We remember that, don't we? We've worshipped over there. Next. Anybody identify that? Cedar Square. That's right. That's Cedar Square Friends. Next. Ah. Fellowship. Time together. A time of worship. A time of coming together in the name of Christ. Next slide. And then we recognize that, don't we? Yeah. Where lives are changed where lives are touched, where lives are strengthened, where lives are renewed, where hope is given. Okay? A little bit different. I've never done a presentation like that in a long time. Pictures speak a thousand words. We can worship in different places. Jesus didn't always go to the temple to worship. He found places of solitude so he could worship the Lord, the God, our God, whom we truly celebrate his life and what he's done for us. Now, in 
to define Christian worship, it is this. It is the act of attributing reverence, honor, and homage to God. Worship is giving him praise and attributing to him what he has done for us. And here's the scripture text. Can you go ahead and get that up, Rick? Listen to these words that Ezra used when Jerusalem was being rebuilt for those who were discouraged. 1 Chronicles 16, 23 through 31. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. And that means here, friends. That means in your homes. That means in your heart. He is the dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord does reign. And again, the definition of worship is attributing reverent honor and homage to God. You know, when I was um, in my college days, we used to sing the song, He is Lord. You know that song? He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is. Every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Of course, you repeat that a second time. Worship. Recognizing who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Our faith and practice says this about worship. It is the adoring response of the heart and mind to the influence of the Spirit of God. How are we allowing God to influence us and to change us? Not just in our worship, but in our daily lives. How is he speaking to your condition? It stands neither in forms nor in the formal disuse of forms. It may be without words as well as with them. But it must be done in spirit and truth. So worship is not something we should be doing. It's something we should want to do. It should be in our heart to want to. I can't imagine what it must have been like for Ezra and some of the other children of Israel to return to Jerusalem and find the devastation that they saw for their temple and their whole city. They knew they had some challenges before them, before they got there. But I remember seeing and hearing about some 
hurricanes that's going to be coming to the coastlines of North Carolina or to the one recently in Louisiana and Texas, and then seeing the devastation afterwards and the rebuild that would be required. And those that were coming to Jerusalem, that's what they were confronted with. It may not have been wood structure, it was stone structure, but it still had to be rebuilt. And so Ezra is saying, look at what God has done. Let's praise him. Let's give him thanks for where we are and what we have. And we're facing some challenging times right now, aren't we? But God is with you. He hasn't forgotten you. Continue to seek him. Continue to praise him. Continue to thank him for what we have. Worship is something we should want to do. It should be a part of our DNA as followers of Christ. Early Quakers in the 16th and 17th century, if you remember, they met in complete silence. There was no form other than just to come. There was really no structure. And a building was pretty plain. But they gathered to honor God, to worship him, to allow the Spirit to lead their hearts. And oftentimes during those hours of worship, people stood and broke the silence of how God had been touching their lives and what God had put on their heart. What's God putting on your heart today? How is he speaking to you? What words of wisdom do you have for us? What do you need to be sharing that God is teaching you? You know, we remember some of those days when people rose and spoke out of the silence here and at other places. The Spirit is still with us. The Spirit is still here. Some of those early friends that came to worship, their hearts were prepared in their minds, just as we are today. Allow God to lead. Karl Barth, the Swiss theologian of the 20th century, said, To worship the Lord should be one of our most momentous and most urgent and glorious actions that takes place in human life. And we don't need to wait for Sunday to that to happen. Hearing the voice of God and obeying it is primary for the movement of Christianity. For the movement early friends was a movement there was power in that movement how do we want to move today how was God moving in your life taking time to hear is a habit of Christ he went to be alone with his father to gain wisdom to gain insights to help others he offered praises to his Father, and he taught us how to pray, not our will, but thine be done. And the first greatest commandment reads, you shall have no other gods before me. The words preceding this are, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery, 
God has or can bring us out of those places of quietness, out of those places where we're attached to slavery, to the world, things that become an idol. It becomes a priority over worshiping God. Understand, God is a God of deliverance. Seek him and his ways. Let him restore what he wants to build in all of us. Christ is present. He wants you to praise him, but he wants you to build his church. Isaiah, one of the prophets, penned these words. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things. When you have a personal relationship with God and his son, the Savior, there's an inner desire to worship and to give thanks. Psalms 150 in part reads, Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise his acts of power and for his surpassing greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So find ways to give praise. A few years ago, I learned a great lesson. Life had gone a little sour and things had gone a little difficult. And I was not in a necessarily the best place I'd ever been in. And so I was trying to find a way to get through this difficult time. I don't know why I decided to look up the word worst. And put that slide up, can you, Rick, please? I decided to look up the definition of worse. Worse, an inferior quality, value, or condition. More unfavorable, unpleasant, or painful. <clears throat> and so as I was thinking about my condition, I was decided to look up the word worse. And on that page in the dictionary... At the very bottom, underneath the word worse, was the word worst. Go to the next slide. So there's the definition of worst. A most unfavorable, unpleasant, or painful. Most unsuitable, faulty, unattractive. You know, so worse goes from worse sometimes, doesn't it, in our lives. But in this dictionary that I was looking up in Webster's, this was the word, next slide, that's in between worse and worst. Worship. Worship surrounded it. <laughs> Worship is what I should have been doing. I should have been giving praises to my father instead of just complaining about the situation I was in so much or feeling discouraged. And that's what had happened there in the rebuild of Jerusalem. People were feeling threatened by the opposition that was kind of closing in on them. People were feeling discouraged by all the work that was before them. Times were so different than what their ancestors had experienced when they worshipped God. It wasn't, didn't seem right. And Ezra went back and penned the 16th chapter that we read this morning in 1 Chronicles to show them to be praiseworthy, to show them 
that God is still God. God is still who he has always been. He doesn't change. And so we find times that are difficult. Remember that passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Remember worship is the buffer between worse and worst. God is with you. He is with all of us. So when you see your circumstances slipping in the wrong direction, remember that worship is that buffer that God gives us to find praise and holiness and righteousness and thanksgiving. Jesus had a passion, a self-desire to worship God. Hebrews 10.23 reads, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another, spur each other, spur those outside these walls that don't know God to know him. To spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up and meeting together. We meet together on social media. We meet together here. May the Lord bless you and may you find ways to truly worship him wherever you are. Seven days a week. As you see the day approaching. That's the end of that passage in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. As you see the day approaching. Make sure that you're helping others find the love of Christ. It's not just for us. Make worship. Make worship a daily habit to prepare you for the day that is approaching. Remember to share the good news. God is worthy of our worship because he died, sent his son and he died for us and rose. The greatest news of all. And I know you understand that. But let's worship it. Even during these times that we're experiencing when things are so different, remember to praise God from the sanctuary, wherever that sanctuary may be. Well, I have one final picture. Maybe some of you have heard of the song, I Can Only Imagine. And in our quiet time this morning, read through that. The song is by Mercy Me, but it has some powerful connotations and words to it. I hope you'll read the words and take it home with you today.
Lord, we can only imagine your grace and love that touches our lives, that touches others. Thank you for times of worship, times of praise. And we thank you for those times of struggle when we recognize that your presence is with us. So help us to look forward to what you have for us as we lift our hands up in praise to our Heavenly Father. Help us to only imagine your goodness and your greatness. Amen.